Want to cut cooling bills without cutting comfort? Lower utility costs and enjoy cool and consistent comfort with a highly efficient air conditioner from Luxair. With Luxair's consumer rebate program, educators, nurses, first responders, military personnel, and veterans can enjoy exclusive rebates on qualifying purchases of Luxair equipment. To learn more, call G-Team Mechanical at 765-376-3042 or visit gteamhvac.com. They'll recommend a system tailored to your home that provides comfort, energy savings, and lasting performance. This is Trackside with Kirk Cavan and Kevin Lee on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Hello, everyone. I uh, wanted to give you some news today about uh, my recovery process. Um, I know it's been a long time, and it was, uh, I felt it was time to, to give you an update. Uh, I'm making major progress. Unfortunately, the injuries uh, don't show on the outside. I actually feel really great physically, but it's, it's on the inside. So um, those are frustrating injuries because you don't get to see them heal, and just time makes a difference. So I'm um, having to be very patient. I'm having to do a lot of rehab and um, getting stronger every day with that. However, um, you know, it goes up and down, and someday you get better. Someday it's a, it's a regress. Um, but I, overall, I, I just want to reassure everybody that, uh, as you can see, I'm doing well. Uh, I just, uh, I just, you know, to be at the top level, you're going to be great. And um, I'm working on that. I, uh, I'm working on getting myself back to 100% with all the doctors. The uh, IndyCar medical team has been phenomenal, uh, helping me, connecting me with the right people. Um, and I do a lot of work in the background that obviously right now nobody gets to see. But uh, I want to thank everybody for the support. Um, and I want to reassure everybody that uh, I'm not forgetting about all the support and all the fans out there that uh, have been so supportive. So thank you very much, everyone. Um, I keep working hard. I keep uh, keep pushing. And then, um, you know, I hope I'm very hopeful to get, uh, get stronger and better uh, very soon. Thank you. Hello, it is race week. Welcome, Trackside 93.5107.5, the fan in Indianapolis and other locations to tonight. Kevin Lee, Kurt Cavan, Landon Coons is in our Indianapolis studios as Elijah continues to span the globe. I suspect he's still in Tokyo. Uh, he might need a nap though when he comes back. Thanks for joining us tonight on the program as we get set for the Rolex 24 with a heavy IndyCar contingent this weekend. And one of the drivers we wish would be there this weekend, we just heard from uh, on this show a moment ago and earlier today via social media was the first time we had heard from Simon Pagino in a little while. I think he's posted a couple of things, actually, but the first time he's given us any kind of update on how he's doing since that nasty rollover crash in mid-Ohio uh, in early July, I think actually July 1st, was the date so um you know along with what you just heard he also posted a couple of notes saying i don't know yet if i will be back behind the wheel in 2024 nor if i'm ready for it i want to take things slowly slowly to make sure that when i come back i am at my very best again he also said this is not the end as better times are ahead so uh i, I wish it was even better news that he said hey i'm good i'm cleared i'm ready to drive if that's what he wants to do, but I am optimistic from what I see and from what I hear from Simon and mostly just, we're all still thinking of him. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, good to, good to hear your voice again. I know you worked over the weekend, but it's, uh, it's still good to 
have this chat as we do on a regular basis with this show. And and as for Simon Pagino, I sent him a text after after the uh, posting today and just, you know, we just all are so supportive of him, you know, and he makes this reference in in the audio that, you know, with an, with most injuries, you know, you hey, he didn't say it like this, but I'll say it. You, you have a cast or you see a limp or you see an issue uh, with the injury relative to the body itself with a head injury. Uh, you get knocked around. It doesn't show. And only the person who who feels the effects uh, and those who who work with him, test him, can see those things. So it's you know, it's it's peculiar for those of us on the outside of this story to kind of gauge where he is or where we think he might be or should be. But these things are all different. We talk a lot about these you know, concussions in in uh, in football largely, and and we hear about them obviously in soccer. Concussion protocols become part of our vernacular, and 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 yet, you know, it's really it's it's amazing how far we've come with diagnosing and treating and understanding these kind of things. So that's again getting kind of summation to my point. You, you you listen to him and you just have to trust that that he knows his body and he knows when when things will be right with him and and you know we support him and we pray for him and and he's such a good man in addition to be a terrific race car driver we'd love to see him again but he doesn't have anything to prove we know how good he is how good he has been and so you put all those things in there we just we continue to support him and hope for the best yeah, and I think what this does confirm is that we can kind of cross him off for anything for the full season, which we expect at this point. I I don't know if you can cross him off for uh, 500, uh, but it's, as we like to say, getting late early, so that may be difficult. Just don't know, uh, and that's that's up to him to decide what he wants to share and when he wants to share it, but if and when he wants to drive again, uh, he's going to have an opportunity to do something, whether it be in sports cars, Indy 500, Indy car for 2025, uh, or whatever the case may be. Um, so a couple of notes on this weekend's racing that we have with the Rolex 24 and the Indy car contingent, 16 <laughs> drivers who drove an Indy car in 2023 are entered in this event that includes 59 cars, only four classes this year. So here's your quick primer. The LMP3 class is gone. So that means it, it's the LMP3 class was challenging. Uh, there were some drivers that were more in the gentleman category, some young drivers. The cars weren't much faster than the GTD car. Uh, so th th sometimes some chaos ensued but there's still about the same number of cars. It just means there's more GTD cars. There's more LMP2 cars. In the order, it's the GTP cars. Those are the fastest ones, then LMP2. And then the third group, there's two classes, because we love to make sports cars confusing. There's GTD Pro and GTD. They're the exact same car. No faster. It's just simply who's driving it. It's just the difference in the categories of who can drive them. They can be all pro drivers, their driver rankings for the pro class, but you need to have uh, a couple of silver drivers 
in the am category uh here's your list of indycar drivers alex polo scott dixon by the way i know you'd be shocked that alex polo has done this for a couple of years and has only done it one time yeah he's been really fast this past weekend during testing at the war before the 24 uh, Joseph Newgarden is in the top class with Porsche Penske for the first time, other than Petit Le Mans at the end of the year. Marcus Erickson is with the Chip Ganassi Racing Cadillac team. Tom Blumquist is now a Cadillac driver. He won overall with Meyer Shank last year in Acura. Colton Hurd is in the top class for the first time. Potter Award and Felix Rosenquist are in that P2 class. So is Scott McLaughlin, uh, Christian Rasmussen, Kiffin Simpson, the GTD class includes Alexander Rossi in a McLaren car. He's teammates with Hinch. Kyle Kirkwood is still in the GTD car with Vassar Sullivan. Romain Grosjean is in a GTD pro car. Uh, Devlin DeFrancesco is in a GTD. And Catherine Legg has been really fast this weekend. She was fastest in a practice, and I think maybe she qualified fifth or sixth in GTD. And then recents like Sebastian Bourdais, Tatiana Calderon, Hinch, Jack Hawksworth, Gabby Chavez, Mike Conway, some of the next drivers like Nolan Siegel, Toby Sowery last year, Hunter McElroy last year, Bajoy Garg. Oh, and then some F1 guys like Jensen Button, Felipe Massa, Paul DeResta, Felipe Ezer, and then all the sports, sports car stars like Colin Brown, who I should mention, Kurt, we're going to talk to coming up in a little bit, and he's kind of in the news. Yeah, he's um, he's still got a shot in my opinion, of having uh, one of the race cars that uh, will be on the grid in St. Pete at the start of the NTT IndyCar Series. I don't know how good odds I would put on it, but we kind of hinted around at it last week. Uh, We had heard some rumblings and and kind of expected that he would be in strong consideration for the Dale Coyne racing seat, one of the two that were – not yet announced. We do have some clarity, I think, on one of those cars now. Uh, we'll talk about Homestead testing here in a minute. But, but uh, yeah, Colin is is so solid. We've I've known him for seems like forever. His dad, I remember way back in the day, Team Scandia, uh, in the early IRL days, and his younger brother Travis and and my son are, are close friends. So uh, there's there's a lot to like about Colin Brown, and I hope he can uh, pull that off. So let me ask you this. If I had to put in 24 hours uh, in a 24-hour race, you're going to have so many dips and turns. Which car among guys that are – or IndyCar guys that are involved with, which car has got the best chance – if if nothing goes wrong and it always does, but which which car would be the best bet from a from a victory lane standpoint overall? That's a great question, and I don't think anybody really knows at this point. Uh, Cadillac was fastest in qualifying, uh, so Blumquist is on a, a Cadillac team. Uh, Dixon Polo uh, are on a Cadillac team. Acura was really good last year. That's a separate story that we probably won't get into about manipulating tire pressures, but they were fast even after that. They won the last race of the season last year. I think Acura and Cadillac, well, that Porsche is good too, but I would put those two a step ahead of the Porsche Penske team. They qualified third. Um, I'm hoping BMW is more in the mix. That's the Ray Hall team. Uh, this year, they don't have any IndyCar drivers on their team, but it's still uh, an IndyCar contingent. Man, I feel like Wayne Taylor Andretti is due. Uh, They are so 
yeah, they they they're they're getting tired of being runner up after winning it for so many years. Um, so they have two cars now. Um, which one has the best chance? You know, the forty car is the brand new car this year. Uh, and, and they've got one of the young superstars in the sport, Louis Delatraz, who maybe not a lot of people know about, but he's really, really good. Colton is on that car. Jensen Button is on that car. And Jordan Taylor is on that car. And he's kind of transitioning back to the top class. So between the two, w Wayne Taylor Racing, Andretti cars, I'd probably give the 10 the better chance because it's a they're used to each other. It's Ricky Taylor, Philippe Albuquerque. Brendan Hartley, Marcus Erickson. Brendan Hartley's a superstar in sports oh, yeah. car racing. I've not seen a ton. Marcus did this race a couple of years ago, and I honestly don't recall how well he did. But wouldn't you think his skill set of being consistent and smart, not making a lot of mistakes, that's all you want from your fourth driver in a sports car race. Just keep the car clean, keep us on the lead lap, and I got to think Marcus is going to do that. Yeah, I think so too. And and when you rattled off, and I don't have the entry list in front of front of me, but you had Hartley, you had Albuquerque, and you had Taylor. I got a lot of love for that team. That's that's a mm -hmm. really strong group of guys on the sports car side, and in particular, uh, you know, from the Daytona side on the road course. So I like that one a lot. I I think that would have to be certainly one of the one or two. Any car that has Scott Dixon in it. At Rolex. That's what I was going next. Yeah. Any yeah. car that's got Scott Dixon's got a real shot to win it. I can't remember how many times he's won it. I'm going to say three times. Um, but it feels like more than that, actually. I think he's won it four times. Could uh, be. Three, three overall is what you're thinking of. And one in class when they were running the, uh, the Ford GTs. But that team has, what is it? Ten IndyCar championships. Uh, six for Dixon. No, more than that. Is it 12? Six for Dixon, four for Bourdais, two for Pelo, and Ranger Van de Zanda has won sports car championships, and he's won the Rolex at least a couple of times. So that's a really stout car. Here's the great thing about that class. Last year in the championship weekend, there were four different teams, four different manufacturers that were within like 20 points of the championship. It always goes down to the wire. So it's, it's kind of futile to really have a big guess, even if nobody has any kind of a, a mechanical, which is obviously a lot of what the, the 24 is about just staying out of trouble, but it, it'll be a lot of fun this weekend. People Durrani won the poll. It's faster this year as they're figuring out these hybrids and GTPs. They are 1.4 seconds faster than last year, a second better than the track record. So they've got it uh, really figured out. The other classes were quick as well. So that's what's coming up this weekend. Um, Schedule-wise, Peacock is a simple way to know how to find this. You can just put it on Peacock, and you can watch that all weekend starting at 1.30. We'll be on NBC for the first hour and the last two hours. Uh, then your next look is Search USA. We'll be on USA from, I think it's like 2.30 to 6, and then 10 to midnight, and then back from 6 a.m. until noon on Sunday. Uh, and I've got a pretty decent draw on the shift. I start, get some breaks. I'm done at midnight, 
And then I'm back at 8 a.m. on Sunday. So that's that's not all bad as well. Uh, and you know what else you might see? I, I still don't know how this is going to work. So I saw Brad Pitt over the weekend. Uh, got got a quick look at him. Do, do you know anything about the movie, the, the Formula One movie, and how it has a sports car contingent in it? A little, yes. But you're going to have to explain it to the audience. So go ahead. And by the way, th- there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of people driving around town that would like to say, man, I saw Brad Pitt over the weekend. Maybe. I don't know. I, I saw the back of his head, actually. Uh, <laughs> so I stayed away from the entourage, but I walked by the pit, the team that he's with and saw a lot of people standing around. So just peeked inside the tent and there, there's Brad up on top of the, the pit stand. So this movie that you've probably heard about that they were filming at some Formula One weekends where, you know, it's sort of driven. It's driven part two Formula One. So hopefully it's a little better or maybe just as funny uh, in a different way. But, uh, you know, I think the premise and the working title seems to be Apex is that he is a former Formula One driver and comes back to mentor a young driver. And they must have somewhere along the line decided that what he was doing before he came back to Formula One is he was still actively driving in sports cars. So they're getting footage this weekend of him driving a GTD Porsche, uh, and it's actually entered in the race. Car number 120, it's a light blue Wright Motorsports Porsche. Um Geico is the sponsor on the car, and I don't think that's a sponsor for the team. It's something that the movie, uh, and and I talked to one of the drivers on the team, and he said, said, so your sponsors aren't on here this weekend? No, no, but this worked out quite well financially for us. Um, So, And then there are other cars that look the same, and some are made to look like a car would look at the end of the 24, meaning dirty, beat up, a few dents, things like that. All of the drivers, the actual real drivers on the right team have suits that say Sonny Hayes on them, driver suits, because that's the name of the character. And the car has the name of the characters, which includes Pat Long, the, the real world sports car driver who is retired, but he is part of the fictional team and they're just using his real name. The, the drivers in the car are Jan Halen, you might remember from Champ Car, Fred Makovicki's a, a well-known Porsche driver, Elliot Skier, and, and Adam Adelson. Um, so uh, there's apparently a camera car going around. We think that maybe they might, behind the pack, do some other things to simulate with the fake car. So I, I don't know totally how this is going to work, but it's just something to watch, and we're supposed to have a meeting to know how to address this, if we see a second blue car on the track, maybe that's all going to be done on Wednesday. Uh, and actually, after I left the track last night, or when I was leaving at maybe 5 o'clock or so, two hours after track activity was done, that pit was very busy, and they may have been getting ready to go out on track and film some things. So that's one of the storylines going on this weekend, too. So well, you get your Brad Pitt. Yeah, it's really cool. You know... And it's cool. It's interesting to me because, as you know, a lot of these movie scenes are shot in kind of simulated car setups. You know, you'll run two or three or four cars in a in a pack, but the camera doesn't pick up anything else besides those. And so they're basically simulated. The fact that this car is actually in the race or at least filming 
while the race is going on amidst the you know the hullabaloo of of an actual 24-hour race that's pretty intense is pretty interesting that they're able to pull this off it'll be it's going to be interesting to watch how they sort of stay out of the way but yet are still trying to create you know real footage and i can't swear that that's happening i've heard that because the car that's going to be used in the movie is an actual car with four active drivers so in reality they should just be able to take the footage from that car and since they have other names on the door and suits you know they can show on boards and nobody will be able to tell that it's not not brad hit uh, brad pitt but yeah maybe they want brad pitt to spin and crash in this race or something so how are they how are they going to do that probably not going to have him crash but i get it that's one of the things to watch this weekend so just wanted to kind of tip you off jerry bruckenheimer uh, who Bruckheimer, who's the director? Who's what? Didn't he do Top Gun yeah, and a bunch yep, of stuff? Yep. He's, the, he's the Grand Marshal this weekend, so he's doing this film as well. Well, that's interesting stuff. Wait, what about? Uh, I don't want to let you off the hook without finding out how our superstar young driver uh, did in the program. I I got the sense from the weekend he looked pretty good. It it went really well. So Jackson drove uh, in what's called the IMSA VP racing sports car challenge. So I think in sports car world, this would be kind of the same level as like USF pro 2000. It's kind of double a Michelin pilot challenge is there Indy next Indy lights. And then the weather tech series is the top series. Uh, so, so as his manager, as I was looking at trying out some different things and, and just honestly, there are more opportunities in sports car racing. He's still working to do, some things in USF Pro 2000. So we're we're, we're not totally uh, giving up on that, but it's all budget dependent. We're hoping to do a one-off in May. That's kind of the, the realistic goal at a track he really knows. But there are many more chances to get hired uh, in and have a real career in sports cars. There are so many series, there are so many seats, and you just have to develop a resume. And I looked at this series last year and saw, yeah, there were like two kids in there Young, young drivers, relatively new, and then a lot of gentleman drivers. And I thought, hey, we can rack up some trophies and some podiums. Uh, there may be some other places that you might get a little better wheel-to-wheel -wheel experience, but you know, maybe we'll just go for success for now. Well, it's going to end up going uh, it, maybe in both directions, that you're definitely going to get good experience because others saw the same thing. And there are several pros that were entered this weekend. There are a couple of more young drivers, uh, a lot of drivers that have a lot of experience at much higher level series and brand new team, brand new car, had never been on track. So he had to kind of help develop the car, uh, stayed clean in the first race, figured some things out, finished seventh. And there are 22 in his class. And then in the second day, he was really mixing it up side by side with people that I know of. IndyCar fans might know them, but, you know, these were drivers getting paid to be in this race. So that's a real good sign. He finished sixth, missed, missed fifth by about two feet, I think, almost a side by side battle. Got a lot of good TV time on Peacock. He said he hit 171 miles per hour. Wow. Uh, that's how fast you're going when you had when you head to the, the bus stop or now they call it the Lamont chicane. So it was a really good weekend. Um, good experience felt like a big event, uh, grid packed on Saturday. So it was uh, cool. The, the race is archived on Peacock and it will air on CNBC on February 3rd at 2 PM. And next he will race at St. Pete during IndyCar weekend. So that's a good commercial event for us as well. So we'll have a lot of 
partners and guests there. That's very nice. Very good for him. Very, very much. I'm reminded that uh, of the little kid that sat in our studio on nights when he had homework to do and didn't want to do it. So um, I think that's part of the reason he's in the sport it's because he didn't want to do his homework his early homework. on. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, homestead test. I've got, uh, I've got times that uh, kind of unofficial times from what we saw today. So I guess what this is, is like three days. It's a small track. You can't put everybody out there. Um, it, it, I'm right. They're, they're more back the next couple of days. Correct. 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 Yeah. I think, I think people are just kind of sharing a car. Each team has one car there and they can choose to rotate different drivers on different days. Today, Felix Rosenquist was the quickest uh, with his new Meyer Shank program, a minute 11, two, four, four, uh, he did 39 laps. They haven't been at Homestead in a long time. And, and honestly, everyone has always told me, Homestead, you learn next. Uh, you learn very little. It just is not suited for an Indy car. It was really tough, even in a USF 2000 car, because of getting up on the banking and how high you have to set the right heights. But I'm sure Sebring is booked. It's very busy. There just weren't a lot of options. So track time is track time. Marcus Erickson, second quick in the 98 car. Then Alex Pillow. David Malukas with Aaron McLaren, Augustine Canapino, Renus VK, Graham Rahal, Joseph Newgarden, Jack Harvey, Stingray Rob. Those were the 10 today. And you mentioned Jack Harvey. I do not know if he signed with Dale Coyne Racing. We've heard a couple of different stories um, because they could easily just be saying, hey, whether we sign him or not, we need someone with experience in the car to get our program started. But that's one of the two open seats. I haven't had any sourcing until the last week about Jack there. It's more just been uh, an educated guesstimation that that would make sense. And we both have said, you know, Dale Coyne likes to give people a chance. Hopefully Jack has found some budget as well. Uh, they need someone there. I, I, we had read and I've heard that it's, it's not definitely not going to happen, but it doesn't seem super likely for Devlin D. Francesco, but that's still a possibility there. Uh, I would. I don't know a lot about Benjamin Peterson and his situation. It could still be a possibility there. And then we mentioned Colin Brown, and we will ask him coming up in a little bit what his chances are to be in the Dale Coyne car uh, coming up this season. So that's what I know on that, and we'll see some more, maybe some video on social media with guys testing the next couple of days. Yep, could be fun, could be fun. Yeah, I think they're going to run three days at Homestead, so I think we still have – uh, Tuesday and Wednesday still to come. So maybe there's another driver for Dale Coyne. Last I heard, there was only one schedule, but we'll see. We'll see if Jackson car again tomorrow, or uh, I know Dale was here, you know, probably shopping. He was here at Daytona this weekend looking to see who might be a, the right fit for his team. So we'll see what comes of that. Uh, and, and speaking of Colin Brown, we'll bring him in next. Trackside, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Hi, this is Simon Pagenaud, and you're listening to Trackside. Trackside continues on 93.5, 107.5, The Fan, as we get set for another big weekend in motorsport. It's all happening here in Florida. IndyCar testing. Uh, over the next couple of days, still at Homestead Miami Speedway, uh, Rolex 24 preparations continue, and we've got one of the defending overall winners, three Rolex wins, including 
the overall last year with Meyer Shank in the Acura. It's Colin Brown, who will be starting third in the LMP2 class in the 04 CrowdStrike by APR program. Colin, it's good to talk with you. How are you? Hey, I'm great. Thanks for having me on, guys. I, uh, I certainly appreciate it. So this can serve as your victory lane interview because Elio's still talking from last year. Uh, I felt so bad when I, I got the other three guys and you had a huge role in the race. And you know how Elio likes to celebrate and he just kind of takes over. And in my ear, before I can even get to you, I'm hearing, you got to rap. You got to rap. Toss it to the booth. So now say what you would have said last year on TV after winning the Rolex overall. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you're uh, putting me on this spot. I have to say, <laughs> I think having uh, having Elio as a co-driver, one of the uh, you know best things about him is certainly his positivity and his you know media uh, likeness. And he certainly isn't shy. I mean, anytime a camera pops up, he just turns it on. And <laughs> you know, uh, it was fun for me getting to know him. Obviously, last year driving with him both at uh, Daytona and at Petit Le Mans, we ended up winning both of those races. So he was uh, a super good luck charm, did a super good job in the car. But yeah, I mean, I obviously watched him as a little kid growing up and, and thought he was the coolest guy. And then you kind of build him up in your head and you think he's going to be different than he is in, uh, you know, when you watch the TV, but man, inside the doors of the Meyer Shank truck and, you know, hanging out with him away from the racetrack, the guy is absolutely the same as he is on TV in person. And you just can't help but get uh, excited and pumped up around him. So I guess all that being said, I was happy to give my time away to uh, to a guy like Elio for sure. <laughs> it had been a few years since you had raced in the top class in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. I know you knew you could do it. And I think everyone else in the sport knew you would still be good and you were better than good. You were great. But what did that mean? Just kind of reconfirm to everyone that, Hey, I'm still at the top of my game. I should be considered for all these seats. Yeah, I mean, man, what a huge break and opportunity for me to uh, to get a chance back in the top class. And, you know, obviously coming into that program, you know, they'd won the championship the year before. They'd won Daytona the year before. Um, so, you know, it's sort of big, big role to fill there. Um, and I think, you know, everyone regarded my co-driver, Tom Bloomquist, as you know, the real stud, I guess, of, of 2022. So I was like, wow, this is a heck of a benchmark to be driving with and, you know, look forward to, uh, to learning what I can and, and doing a good job for the team. And yeah, really motivated to, to knock it out of the park. I mean, what an, a big opportunity that I knew I had to, uh, to jump on. And so, yeah, I put a bunch of effort into it and was really glad that, you know, that effort re uh, ended up with really strong results. And, you know, uh, I think it showed people, um, you know, Hey, at this level against these drivers, I'm capable of, of doing, you know, a great job. And, you know, it's kind of funny because a lot of people were surprised and maybe didn't even, you know, really know my name or my pedigree until they kind of watched last year. And I told a lot of folks that, you know, I've been doing kind of the same sort of moves on the racetrack and the same sort of, of, you know, things within, um, the, the different classes just in the lower ranks. And, you know, I guess the lower ranks don't obviously get the coverage that being in the top class does. So nice for me to be able to do that in the top class and, and everyone get a chance to kind of see what I feel like I've been doing for, for years. And, and your name has come up, uh, now and again for a long time as someone people would like to put in an Indy car, if the stars all align and about a week ago, Started hearing your name again a few days ago. I read about your name, I think even with some quotes attached to you. Um, what's going on? What are the chances that you get an opportunity 
in one of the few, only two open seats still remaining with Dale Coin Racing. Yeah, I mean, you know, certainly I feel like the, I don't know the right word, like the, uh, I don't know. It's just I keep trying and trying and trying to put myself in an opportunity to to jump in an Indy car, and you know, uh, you know, it's no secret I'm not getting obviously any younger. But um, I feel like you know, last year was so good for me, um, you know, showing what I could do up against current Indy car stars, um, and you know, obviously then with with Tom getting the bump on on the Meyer Shank side into the Indy car program, I feel like it sort of boosted my chances and you know uh, reaffirmed kind of the opportunity of, of a potential IndyCar program coming up. And um, yeah, I mean, it's no, no secret. I think that obviously Dale's got uh, two seats left um, and open at the minute and been having some conversations with, uh, with him about, you know, what could maybe work out for this year and trying to just get those pieces of the puzzle put together to see what, um, what might align him. He was down at, uh, at Daytona, and uh, yeah, we had some good conversations on on Saturday at the Roar Test, and um, you know, hopefully, we can keep those talks moving in the right direction and and see what might shake out. Because uh, man, I'd sure love a love a shot at it for sure. So Colin Brown joins us. You, you've been around this this part of the sport for so long. Uh, your earliest in, introduction to to Indy was really through your dad and and coming. Uh, to to the speedway and and you've been you've been in conversations it seems like about five times over the years with with various teams ray hall comes to mind just give people a better sense i certainly have it kevin does as well about why indycar feels like such an important kind of next step last step whatever the the term is for your career yeah, that's a great question. You know, I mean, in, in my career, obviously, I've done sports car racing. Uh, then I did a, a five or six year stint working the way up through the, the NASCAR ranks and then back to sports car racing. But, um, you know, I've always really been a huge fan of of IndyCar. And I think when I was a younger guy, um, you know, before the, the sports car path, you know, we're talking 12, 13, 14, 15 year old range, I would have loved to continue sort of down the the open wheel path. Um, you know, I did pro Mazda and then kind of was faced with the next step being, you know, at the time Toyota Atlantic and just didn't have the budget to, to go and, and go that path anymore. So the sports car doors opened and, and then that started that path. And then the NASCAR doors opened and I did that and then kind of came back to sports cars, but always, you know, would have, uh, really, really liked to have a shot on the, on the open wheel formula car side, but it just wasn't the path for me, given the the budget that I could bring. And so, yeah, it's always been a place I wanted to get back to. And, you know, I think mixed a little bit of my NASCAR time now with what I've done on the sports car side and, and how similar the GTP cars um, and the Daytona prototype international DPI cars were to what the Indy cars are these days. Um, I just feel like it'd be a great mix of kind of all of my background put together and, you know, while I might be obviously a, a, a rookie to the IndyCar um, paddock, you know, I feel like a lot of the skills and a lot of the things that I've done in the past would would put me in a in a really good spot to to kind of you know hit the ground running in that series. Yeah, your dad uh, Jeff was an engineer in the IndyCar days. Let's say you would have been. Yeah, you weren't very old, but what is what is your first memory of of the Speedway? About how old were you? Your dad was engineer of Team Scandia and in the Andy Evans program in the early IRL days, and I think you know had been you know kind of toying with it before that. What are your first memories? 
Man, yeah, what a what great memories I have. I, I think my first memories probably were, you know, going to the speedway with my dad when I must have been six, five, six, seven years old. And um, you know, that was back in the days when you went for the whole month of May leading up to the five hundred. And I remember, you know, we were homeschooled, my brother and I, and so we'd go up there and we stayed at the the residence inn not too far from the track. We'd knock out our schoolwork in the morning and then kind of late afternoon go out to the speedway sit behind the the pits, watch my dad's cars run, and then, you know, go back to the garage area and hang out with, uh, with the different drivers. And it just, uh, yeah, it seemed, you know, so surreal to be able to, uh, to kind of be there and get a behind the scenes look at, you know, these big, huge events. And yeah, I never, you know, I, I, I guess I'd hoped and dreamed that, Hey, I could be a race car driver and make a living like, like these guys are driving race cars. But I think, you know, at that young age, um, I didn't really know if that was going to be a possibility. So kind of cool to, uh, to be able to, to live out that childhood dream, even on the sports car side. Colin Brown is joining us. Uh, and you, and you mentioned making a living. I think you're doing pretty well from what I understand, working with George Kurtz in a variety of series. So if something did come together, uh, with IndyCar, how many conflicts would you have? Are you, are, is, is it really the only possibility doing something part-time or do you have the ability to miss a couple of uh the sports car events if that opportunity arose well it's a great question and i think it um you know it really depends on kind of what that program looks like and and you know how many of the puzzle pieces we can put together but i do know that that george kurtz has always been a huge supporter of mine and you know, certainly doesn't want to hold me back from any big opportunities. So I think if, uh, you know, if everything aligned and, and there was a, a full season deal to be put together, I'm sure we could work things around to, uh, to make it work. And, you know, I'd try to do obviously as, as many events as I could, um, you know, continue to drive with George. Cause he's uh, such a great guy. We've had such a good relationship and, um, you know, been very, fortunately very successful when we've driven together. So it uh, definitely makes you want to keep coming back and doing more of that. And, and he's one of those guys that makes sports car racing so interesting because obviously with CrowdStrike, he is massively successful and has a lot going on, uh, but he's made himself into a very, very competent race car driver. Yeah, he sure has. It's uh, it's incredible. I don't know how he balances all the commitments he has on the business side and the racing side. I mean, this guy is racing an incredible amount of races all over the world and does a fantastic job and works at it, prepares. And it's, it's yeah, it's crazy the amount of effort he puts in on the racing side. And then, you know, I always joke with him that in his spare time, he also is the CEO of this ginormous cybersecurity company. And so, yeah, it's crazy. I don't think he sleeps very much, but um, man, it's cool to be uh, to be part of it with him and, and see his growth year over year on the racing side. And, and um, yeah, I mean, he's just such a, such a great guy to work for. So Colin is in the second class. He was in the, the top GTP class last year. Uh, he's still in a prototype class. And I think as a fan, a lot of us are excited about the P2 class because of what has changed worldwide. It's not a part of the World Endurance Championship. And then you just look at some of the drivers like yourself in this class, Pato Award, Felix Rosenquist, Scott McLaughlin, uh, Christian Rasmussen, Kiffin Simpson, Matt Brabham. Hey, how about Felipe Massa? What is the battle going to be like in your class? Yeah, it's going to be tough running through those names makes me feel like it could be the, you know, uh, top five in the IndyCar uh, qualifying or something. It's a, uh, Man, it's going to be competitive. I think the other, you know, 
uh, interesting thing about the LMP2 class is essentially we're all in the same exact cars with the same engines and yeah. everything's it's spec, right? So when you look at GTP, like last year, there's obviously the different manufacturers and, you know, there's always the, um, Hey, these cars are different and not everything is the same. And so, you know, maybe one manufacturer seems to have a, a slight advantage over the other, but, but here in the P2 class, literally we're all in the same equipment. So it comes down to your individual team and then obviously your group of drivers and, you know, guys hauling the race and and executing the right strategy to uh, to to excel. And so, in a way, it makes it a little bit more pressure, I think, because you know you can't use the well, we just didn't have the the right package this this uh, event to to contend because everyone's got the same thing. So, I think it uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be competitive. Every little tiny detail matters. I mean, we were down there testing the last few days and the smallest of setup changes matter because we're all in this tiny, tiny little box. And, you know, you look at uh, some of the practice results and there were times, you know, of the 13 cars in the class where, you know, you see six, seven tenths from, from first to 10th on the, on the timesheet. So um, it's going to be really, really competitive. And as always, it's going to come down to, you know, staying out of trouble the first 20 plus hours and, and then, you know, elbows up, getting after it those last two or three hours for sure. I, I became a big fan of this race probably 15 or 20 years ago and try to tell some of my my IndyCar friends that hate the long offseason that this is a really good substitute. If you like road racing, you're going to enjoy IMSA. But you can speak better to the significance of this event with, you know, 59 cars, for example, this time around. What makes the Rolex 24 so special? Well, man, I think it's, uh, you know, in a way, I think you look down the, the entry list and look at the drivers and, you know, the different people that, that are in this race. And it shows why it's so special and, and what the big draw is because it's become just such a huge race that you got guys from IndyCar, from NASCAR, from Formula One, from, you know, the World Endurance Championship. You got drivers from all those different series that want to come to Daytona and have a chance to come race and, and win a watch. And, you know, I think, um, yeah, it's just gained popularity year over year. I mean, this will be my 20th straight 24 hours of Daytona race. And, you know, every year it seems like there's more publicity, more media, more fans that come out to the event and, and it just gains momentum. Um, you know, I think it's, it's, yeah, it's a great test of man and, and machine. And it's one that, you know, if you win this race, you've certainly accomplished something huge. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's an, it's one everyone wants to circle on their calendar. I think no matter what kind of uh, a full-time racing job you have. Can we get you down to Homestead in the next day or two and get in the Indy car? I know there, there are cars there. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. I'm certainly ready. I'm, uh, I'm sure they make airplane flights right down from Charlotte to uh, to Miami. So who knows? We'll see. Um, but I know they've got a few more tests, uh, obviously, scheduled before the start of the year. So, yeah, uh, we'll have to wait and see what shakes out. Well, you know, we're rooting for you, and we want to see you racing as much as possible this year. Um, thanks so much for the time. Good luck this weekend, and I'll see you back in Daytona in a few days. Sounds great. I appreciate you. Thanks for uh, for having me on, guys. I really do. One to root for, the 04 CrowdStrike Racing LMP2 coming up on Saturday starting at 1.30 on NBC throughout the uh, 24 hours on NBC, USA, or Peacock. Peacock the entire time, otherwise kind of bouncing around much of the time on television as well. All right, we'll see what we missed and more coming up in just a moment. Trackside, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan.
Hi, this is Elio Castroneves, and you're listening to Trackside. Final segment, what we missed. Uh, well, we've still got stuff coming up. More IndyCar testing at Homestead over the next couple of days. So our friends at places like TracksideOnline.com will uh, find out how it goes. So look there for testing results, and we'll see if there are any other surprises uh, in a Dale Coin car. Is it Jack Harvey again? Is it somebody else? We are still waiting on Indy 500 news. Maybe we get some of that sometime very soon. Marco Andretti confirmed a lot of things last week. I think he's got about 20 races scheduled this year between ARCA, ARCA West, and trucks. But I noticed he still has May 5th through the end of the month open. So we'll probably see Marco confirmed in an Andretti 98 uh, very soon. Waiting to hear about Dreyer and Reinbold. Get their two cars confirmed. Able Motorsports. We're pretty sure it's R.C. Enerson, but we want to see that officially announced what's happening with the Foyt car third car no guarantee that it happens by the way if that happens uh and a fourth Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan happens that's 36 the Foyt possibilities J.R. Hildebrand maybe Stefan Wilson maybe if Devlin DeFrancesco doesn't end up at coin he does a one-off there uh at Ray Hall it's got to be Takuma Sato if it's not maybe Catherine Legg but I would think it's probably Sato. So that's it. We're out of time. Rolex 24, NBC, Saturday at 1.30, first hour, last two hours, all of it on Peacock, quite a bit more on USA as well. Thanks to Colin Brown, for Kurt, and for Landon Coons in the studio, I'm Kevin Lee. We'll see you again next Monday night, also at 8 o'clock for an hour, 93.5, 107.5 The Fan.